and welcome to the Evoke Greatness podcast. My name is Sunny, and I have an insatiable hunger for growth and knowledge. I am a huge book nerd and a wee bit of a control enthusiast with an obsession for motivational coffee cups. I have traveled what feels like a thousand journeys from the start of my career as a CNA, slowly making my way through nursing school, to presently being the COO of a national hospice company. I have learned valuable lessons along the way that have forged me into the woman and leader that I am today. And I'm hopeful that others can utilize my lessons and the lessons of my guests to help pave their own way. I am calling my crazy big shot as I build this podcast and a lifestyle brand that will be in service of others. I believe that a rising tide raises all ships, and I invite you along in this journey to evoke greatness. Welcome to another episode of Evoke Greatness Podcast. My guest today is Jared Greer, founder of Greer Method Coaching, a six-time Ironman, ultra-marathon runner, coach, husband, father. You've hosted your own podcast, brother. You've done it all. And welcome to the podcast today. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I have had the good fortune of being able to be connected with you and follow the great things that you do. But I would love to share with the listeners, where did the vision or the birth of the Greer Method happen? I mean, that is a big, very packed question. I don't think we have time probably to go back to all of the origins. It evolved over time, honestly. I I could go all the way back to my childhood where just an observance of people, why people did things, what they did, that always interested me. I was always curious about the motivation behind people. That led me to get into a lot of trouble uh, and then ultimately ended up kind of bouncing around a little bit, trying to figure out what my potential was, what my purpose was, and eventually found my way into management. And I was always the, the type of person who loved to see people realize their potential. And I started to get really triggered by people who would say things like, I can't, mm. or um, that's not for me, or I just wasn't cut out for this. And I got even more triggered by leaders who would say that about their people. They would say that person just doesn't get it or that person doesn't need to be here or is lazy or doesn't care. I just couldn't find a place in my mind where people didn't care, where people didn't want to be something more than what they were. And so through some personal experiences of my own, I kind of broadened my view on that. And and as a result, I went from managing people to working with companies and started to see that really largely, that's something that a lot of leaders struggle with. Long story short, I started my own company doing leadership training and development. And then uh, clients started asking me if I did coaching. And I was like, "Uh, I kind of do coaching. (laughs) So yes, started with business coaching. And then that just spread because I found that most of the time when we were doing business coaching, we were coming back to what's really going on with that person or in in their relationships or with their health or with their home. And and so that kind of broadened into, you know, what we like to call complete coaching. So the Greer Method was kind of born there. That's incredible. I I was reading through a lot of kind of the testimonials and it it speaks, speaks volumes of what you do and the impact that you have in people's lives through that. Thank you. A lot of what you do, I think, takes some pretty serious discipline. 
whether that's kind of one side of the spectrum with coaching or training for extreme sports and ultra marathons. How do you stay focused on maintaining that discipline? Honestly, it's a lot of grace. I think from the outside looking in, people would think that I never sleep in. I never lose my patience with my kids. Uh, I never, you know, have friction with my with my spouse. Almost that it just comes naturally. So, so a big part of it is recognizing my own limitations. But I will say that what I have is an unrelentless drive to never quit and never give up. And so to me, there's always this chase of potential where no matter what I've been able to accomplish, no matter what I've been able to do, I still feel like there's more out there. I feel like I can do more. I can have a bigger impact. And that's honestly what drives me with our clients as well is a lot of times they're saying, hey, I've kind of hit the ceiling. I've kind of hit this point where you know, I, I think in some cases, I'm almost good. I'm fine. And to me, I'm like, no, there's there's more for you. You can have a bigger impact. You can have a bigger influence. You can do more. And so that, I think, fuels the discipline. But it's by no means perfect, Sonny, in any way, shape, or form. It is every day a push to keep it going and to keep driving. It does get easier over time. It doesn't just happen automatically. Well, and I love the human element of that, right? That I am not not at fault, right? So I may lose it at times. I may sleep in at times. I may, you know, lean a little bit heavier on one side or the other. And I think that's the human piece of it that's so important to recognize is you can't function inside of a box all the time and be on, you know, 100%. And it's that the awareness Absolutely. to know that you can slip or slide a little bit and that that doesn't damage everything. Yeah. And our society is, uh, we do a pretty good job of pretending like oh, yeah. we don't make mistakes, uh, of showing all of the highlight reel, all of the good things. And so we kind of get this idea that, wow, everybody else has it so easy. They've got to figure right. it out what's wrong with me. I'm still struggling. I'm still, you know, I don't, my habits don't snap into place in 21 days. So what's, what's my problem? And I think that is just the biggest myth. I mean, I can, I can talk to you about some of the most high level of executives who on the surface look like they had it all figured out and underneath there's just so much more going on. Well, and that's, it's that social media presence. You can portray whatever you want the world to see. And when there's not this introspective Absolutely. view, um, you know, oftentimes I'll, I'll put in posts about losing my bananas, you know, with my kids or it, because that's the, that's the true reality of it, right? No one, people will say, oh, you're such a good mom. Well, I, I try to, that's my hope, but by no means am I on all the time. We all, we all have our times where we, uh, where we lose our bananas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what makes people such good moms, such good leaders, such good executives is that they are always trying to right. be a better mom leader executive. If the ones that say they've got it all right. figured out, they're the ones I'm worried about. They're the ones yes. where I'm like, mm, <laughs> do you really know? Look. What does it look like in right. your darkest time? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm always curious about successful people's routines and habits. What does your morning routine look like? Common questions I get asked. What is my morning routine? Alarm goes off anywhere between 4.45 and 6 a.m. It really kind of depends on in, if I'm training for something, kind of what my priority is for, for that time. I always have the same drink, oatmeal, banana, and almond milk, very first thing. I head out to the gym. I will work out for you know uh, 60 to 90 minutes, maybe throw in a run after that come home, have breakfast with my family, get the kids off to school, 
I'll shower, I'll do some personal study, kind of some scripture, some journal write, writing, and then uh, I'll sit down and I'll start my day. And it's pretty routine. A distinction that I'll make is that it's it's mostly routine in sequence okay. versus chronology. So because I'm, I'm my own business owner, um, it doesn't always have to be happening right at 4.45 or 5 or 5.30. There are days where I don't even start that process until 7.30 or 8. And that's fine, but it's always that same sequence, same things over and over and over. And when we think about habits and routines, that's actually one of the biggest secrets is that don't worry about the chronology as much as the the sequence. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I've always been fascinated with the study of athletes, champion athletes, those who are really able to consistently perform and have outcomes. One theme is that routine. It's the routine habits. And to your point, it's not like this has to happen at this time, this has to happen at this time, but it's the same elements day in, day out, and the consistency and the perseverance of those things. It seems to be a theme in, in everyone's story when it comes to that. Sonny, it's like the best kept secret. <laughs> right. Like I can tell you, I I get, uh, and it's it's an obvious secret. The, the, the science is not new. It's 50, 60 years old. But what we do is we allow distractions and obstructions to get in the way of us actually like doing that routine enough to where it becomes automated to where right. now, if I don't get up and I don't do that routine all day long, I am thinking about it. I am like, it's bothering me that I haven't done it. Even days where I've decided, okay, it's a rest day. I'm not going to exercise. I'm not going to work out. I'm just going to relax. All day long, I'm like, I could probably just slip out for 20 minutes and I could probably just go for a quick run or I could go do, you know, it's ingrained in you. It is. It is habit. It is routine. It is tell our clients all the time. The performance of routine creates routine performance. Mm -hmm. It really is key to recognize that when we perform routine, good or bad, it will create our performance. And so it'll make our performance routine. We can come to expect that. That's why we've got to disrupt that and really put in the right routines. Well, oftentimes I hear of coaches having coaches. Do you utilize coaches for different parts of your life? And if so, you know, to your point earlier, there's this kind of viewpoint or this lens uh, where coaches have it all together and really present not needing to work on anything. But I think those with that growth mindset, like I'm sure you have, are constantly seeking to get better, to evolve to refine themselves. So the second part of that question is, what is an area that you're still working on? Yeah, I love that. So first question is, do I have a coach? Second question is, what am I still working right. on? Love that. I like to think that I go against the grain a little bit from the coaching industry. A lot of times coaches will say, hey, coaches have coaches so that it's it sends a message to people, hey, you need to hire a coach. I don't believe that you have to always be paying for a coach. In fact, in many cases, I don't believe that you should be paying for a coach. What you should always have is, like you said, the growth mindset. And you should know people you can go to to get feedback, real honest critical, direct feedback. Like I, I have a mentor who has been my mentor for 20 years. Wow. And he is somebody who I know, even in my business today, there are, the way, there are ways I do things that he does not agree with, not approve of. And I take my ideas to him because I know he's going to punch holes in it. I know he's going to really make me, if nothing else, have to defend myself. If we, if you, wherever you're at, if you can find mentors who, who do that for you, you're good to go. 
where you start to look at do I invest in this is if those people can't give you the time or the space or the follow through to actually really per, like make you move faster. Mm-hmm. So if they're not available, if they're, you know, they're just hard to get a hold of because they're so successful, then it might be time to invest. The other side is you shouldn't be investing in a coach if you're having trouble really getting out of bed in the morning, right? right. Some of those basic hygiene things like you shouldn't pay somebody to tell you to do what you already know you should be doing to some degree. You can get into the system, all that. So I back that up and I say the, the second question, what am I still working on? Hands down, my number one thing that I'm always trying to do better at is have less control. Give some of that control away. And that shows up in my business as I grow and I scale. That's me trying to jump in and do stuff that I shouldn't do. It sometimes shows up as a lack of trust in my employees and my staff. Sometimes that shows up as a lack of uh, trust with my family. Sometimes it shows up as being a little bit more demanding of my children. So for me, it's backing off of the, the control and trying to just be okay with something maybe not being done the way that I would do it, something not being done maybe to the level that I would do it. That's a struggle for me. Yeah, well, I I appreciate the authenticity. I think so many people, just even hearing that, can learn from that. And being willing to be open enough with yourself and have that self-awareness to say, hey, this is some area where I need work. You know, I think you can never go wrong with that. Sonny, I was going to say, I just care too much. (laughs) It's not a job interview, though. (laughs) That's that typical answer. Too hard, right? Exactly. I I just push too much of my too much of myself into it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think another point. Yeah, we're we're at a place. I think in time where maybe thirty, forty, fifty years ago, you couldn't necessarily pick up a book or a book that was so relevant to maybe some of the things that we're dealing with in leadership or growth mindset evolving. But you can you can go on YouTube today. I mean, there are so many things accessible to us. So I I think of coach as any way that you're putting forth effort to get better, whether that's someone facilitating that growth in person, whether you're getting that information online, you know, we we just have so much at our fingertips nowadays. Yeah. Information is rarely the, rarely the problem. I'm sure you do this a fair amount as as a coach, but how do you prepare to have a tough conversation? Oddly enough, tough conversations are not really difficult for me, which back in my career days, that sometimes was a bit of a problem because people thought that I was, in fact, at one point I was called the manager slayer. I got into senior management because I had seen so many of my manager peers walking employees out when they hadn't spent the time developing them, teaching them. They basically had you know, come in late and then took a long lunch and then left early. And then they would walk these employees out saying, hey, this person didn't get it. This person just you know, didn't care, didn't want to be here, didn't perform, they're gone. So I just kind of made a career of being able to give direct feedback and, and speak pretty openly and honestly. And that probably just almost that alone is what people hire me for, especially at the level of people that I coach. They're used to people that are yes men. They're used to people that are just, you know, trying to stay in the good graces with the executive, the CEO. And I don't, I just don't do that well. So how do I prepare? I always try to make sure that we have gotten really clear on what we're trying to accomplish. And then I try to make sure I understand what things look like from their perspective. And then we talk about the the gaps between, okay, where where do you want to go? Here's where you're at. Here's how you're seeing it. Here's some inconsistencies you've got to help me understand. I always try to say, please, 
I always try to say thank you. And I always try to say, help me understand. And so that makes any tough conversation a little more digestible because it gives the opportunity to kind of talk through it. No, that's great. And I think the way in which people view tough conversations is probably 50% of the problem. If you yourself have anxiety, and I, I find that a lot of people just in a leadership position, a lot of people, they will do anything they can to avoid having to have that tough conversation. When 75% of the problems that are happening could have really been eliminated had you had that conversation early on and where you get curious. I think the way in which you view it and the way in which you approach it can make all the difference in the end. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Conflict blows up. It, it grows. It grows and it blows. And, and so the problem is, you're exactly right. They don't have those little conversations that then build. And then it's a blow up. And then they're like, well, why didn't you say anything all of the other times? And, you're, and they're like, ah, well, yeah, if, if we can wrap our heads around the idea and we, we teach kind of a concept around beliefs influencing our actions. And so if the idea is, hey, if I have this tough conversation, then at a minimum, they'll know where I, where I sit. That then can be enough to go even have a bad conversation, a rough conversation, but at least you come out of it feeling better that you had that conversation and you give yourself a better chance of not having a huge blow up where something happens that somebody regrets. If you could share with everyone one actionable item that they could put into practice around productivity, this, is, this seems to be something that people really struggle with. What would that one actionable piece of advice be? Yeah, sit down and write out two things. One, write out a real page, two pages, three pages of what you want your life to look like in the next 18 months. Write that down. That's the first thing. The second thing is then write down clear, concrete goals. I want to go from current state to future state by X date. I would say that 90% of the people that I talk to do not have clear, concrete goals. If you want to take that even in the next layer, when you sit down to do your work in the morning, you write out, here are the three priorities that I'm going to get done today. I've got mine right here. I'm three of four done. Because I sat down, I said, that is, that's all I have to get done today. Those four things. Do I have a million different things? Yep. But those four things, those are critical. So three of them are out the door after I get off the phone with you. The fourth one's going out the door and I can lay my head down tonight saying, okay, I won for a day. And all of these are aligned with long-term vision of where I want to take this in the next 18 months. What is something that you wish you would have learned earlier in life? Um, you know, oddly enough, it would be self-control discipline. I grew up in kind of a unique scenario where I just kind of expected that things would happen. And it wasn't until, you know, I was later in my 20s, I really started to take ownership and responsibility for my life and my, my circumstances. And so I think it, it, that that's probably what I would, would go back and learn better. Ownership and responsibility from, I mean, if I could get it when I was like five years old, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Totally but, agree. But, but I just think so much changes when you just look at things and you say, I, I can influence that. Right. Good, bad, out of control, in control. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just that mentality. And it's the growth mindset that you talked about, right? Just that idea of, hey, you know what? I, I can influence my circumstances. That is powerful. And there are so many people who come to me 
hoping that I can influence their circumstances. And I'm like, hold on, <laughs> that's not how it works. Right. You influence your circumstances. I can point the direction, but it's on you. You've got to do the work. So that ownership, I think I wish I would have understood earlier. How do you balance? There's clearly a lot on your plate between just the, your commitment and discipline to fitness, your job, your family. How do you keep that balanced or how do you keep those competing priorities from not you know, shifting too heavy one way or the other? Uh, I, th- I think you've got to be okay. Anybody has to be okay with trade-offs. And, and I have accepted trade-offs. I know that I could probably accelerate my business faster if I worked 12, 15-hour days. I, I know I could. But I've got four kids who I like to have breakfast with and dinner with, and I like to wrestle around. I have a wife I like to hang out with. I have health goals that I really, really enjoy. And so to me, I don't necessarily believe in like a balance as much as a management of these things. And so really accepting, okay, if I spend 15 hours a week doing fitness stuff, I've got to trade something for that. So what am I going to trade? I'm going to trade sleep. I'm going to trade sports. I'm going to trade television. I'm not going to trade family. So those are trade-offs that are very calculated. They're thoughtful so that I can do the things that I love. Um, And I do trade. I think I trade some business. There's people that I won't work with because the time zones don't work. Um, There's jobs that I won't take because they they want me to travel a a lot. Um, I, I won't, I'll travel occasionally, but I won't do those things if it's going to pull me away, you know, for, for a long time. That's great. There have been so, so, so many takeaways just around things that are really important to people and better understanding routines and habits and, and people who have had such success as you have. With respect to your time, we'll start to wrap this up, but where can our listeners connect with you online? So you can go to our website, which is greermethod.com. Um, happy to have anybody go there. You can also, we just launched an app called Momentum by Greer Method. And we have really, really big plans for this. Right now, we have kind of our core curriculum that can be uh, delivered through there. But we also have a Mad 30. I'm going to take this chance to plug our challenge. All right. We've got a Mad 30 challenge. If you're really serious about kind of bringing in and managing some of these things, there's six things that our uh, participants do every single day for this Mad 30. And it's a it's method over madness, right? We just want don't want to keep doing the same things. And so we invite people to, for 30 days, do six things. Exercise for 45 minutes. Read a book, a physical book, nonfiction for 15 minutes. Eat clean. Whatever that means for you, you pick some rule and you eat clean. You connect with somebody that you care about whether that be you know, a family dinner, a child spouse, what have you, and you encourage our community. So we have a community inside the app where we're always encouraging each other. So those are kind of these staples that if people want to kind of get a jump start and start to see how these things can fit into their life, go to Momentum by Greer Method enter mad 30 at sign up. It's totally free. It will always be free. We've got a really awesome community in there. People are losing weight. They're reading more. They're putting their health at the top of their priorities. It's just 
awesome to watch. Sounds like a win-win for everybody out there. So please make sure you check out the Mad 30. Yes. Jared, thank you so much for taking the time today. I have been looking forward to connecting with you on this. And I think our listeners have gotten so much out of this. This is really, really serving what, what they're asking for. And so I just appreciate your time. Oh my goodness. The pleasure is all mine, Sonny. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope that you'll stick around. If you liked the podcast, please hit the subscribe button, share the episode, or even leave a review. And in the sage words of Olympic champion Wilma Rudolph, never underestimate the power of dreams and the influence of the human spirit. We are all the same in this notion. The potential for greatness lives within each of us.